Hello, welcome to episode 12 of HR Unplugged. Today, we're going to continue our conversation from our last episode on professional development. In this episode, we're talking about how to turn normal business processes into opportunities that sharpen leadership skills and help junior team members grow. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's dive in. Uh, We want to welcome everyone to this episode 12. Cannot believe this is our 12th episode. And just so you know, HR Unplugged is now live on major podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review. We're both on Apple and Spotify. I do want to remind everyone that we do have, like we were talking about, the Slack community called HR Heroes, and we will have an HR Unplugged channel where you can post your questions early to have a better chance of getting answered. It's a chance to continue the conversation after each episode to continue to learn and connect with each other because it's a huge networking opportunity uh, to uh, chat with other HR folks and continue that conversation. It's also an opportunity for you to decide on future topics with us. So Slack, any ideas you have in there so that we can learn from you. All right. So now before we dive deep into the topic for today, I think it would be a good idea if we spent a few minutes on the the recent layoffs and the tough times so many are going through right now. And so much has happened in the last few weeks that we, especially as HR leaders, should address these challenging times. So Anita, what can you share with our audience about this topic? Well, we want to be relevant on this. And so we just want to, we couldn't start this episode without just talking about what's happening in the world out there. So let's get started with a poll though. I want to make sure that everything we do is 100% applicable to you all, our audience, because we love you. So just curious, and, and uh, don't worry, your name and company will not be associated with this poll. Uh, we just want to make sure we're, we're curating the content. So take a minute. Are you laying off team members like right now or in the last, you know, the last month? Have you done that? Are you actively discussing layoffs or are you, are you going to stay clear of all this for as much as you can see? So um, give us some guidance here and then we can jump in and spend as much or as little time here. And again, just a, a shout out if you or anyone in your community has been affected by by layoffs, please ping us on LinkedIn. Please put um, you know contact information of great team members into the Slack channel. Let's be a resource for each other here and helping these team members get back into a great place. So please go ahead and vote, and again get get into our Slack community so we can help each other. I've had a lot of people reach out. I've just gotten flooded with um, great resumes. I've had a number of great conversations. So even if we don't have a place at Bamboo, um, we know lots of other places that are still looking for people. So let's help each other. Yeah, there's definitely a huge opportunity here to to network and come together as that community, like you said, and and to help each other. There's uh, there's not even opportunity in your uh, your recruiting teams, like all recruiters know each other in the, the market. We, we all have the love hate relationship. We all know each other, (laughs) uh, but, but sharing contacts, uh, because there's so many great people right now that need, uh, that help in finding something. And so it's, it's connecting your, the people that you're working with to help, uh, you know, find that next thing. Okay. Okay, so this is good. We don't have a lot of you that are in the space. So like hallelujah, like where there are lots of love that um that we're that we're not that we're not there. 
Um, so I think, I think maybe what to observe here, if you're not going through it, the best lesson I'm taking out of it right now is how people are communicating this change. And one thing that I wanted just to call out to this community is um, what I'm experiencing as an incredible amount of judgment around how layoffs are being communicated. Um, so if you watch the news and watch the LinkedIn feed, it's really interesting how different people are responding. You know, I want to do a call out to the Stripe CEO. I think he handled it really, really well. I think that Elon is under a lot of scrutiny right now. And I, I would just ask, I, um, I've, I've, I've been, um, been following this new wonderful human. If you're on Instagram, HR at the heart, she's fantastic. You've got to follow her. And I just wanted to read this post in the spirit of Thanksgiving. I thought it was special because we all do hard things. And it says, Dear HR, no matter how bad someone tries to make you feel, I want you to know that you are not alone. You have you what you do has value. You do know your job. You do deserve the seat they gave you for a reason. And so just want to do big hearts to everybody because I know it's not hard to be out there. I mean, it is hard to be out there and it is hard to be making these decisions and there's lots of love. So as we observe, you know, other people going through really hard times, uh, let's just um, let's show some empathy. And it doesn't mean that we have to agree. I just I just want to show empathy and, and learn from what other people are doing. And that's kind of just the call out that I wanted to make. And however you can reach out in this time of gratitude and extend your network out there, um, let's be known for that. Um, and let's be known for um, for taking care of each other um, in hard times and in, and in good times. So it's 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 just being true friends for each other. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's awesome. I love that, Jennifer. Yes, we don't have to agree, but can show empathy. So, okay. Well, before we shift gears into today's planned content, we do have another quick poll. You know, we love our polls. So. <laughs> Uh, for all of you in the audience, uh, we try to plan topics for HR Unplugged that will have long-term value, but we also realize that it's important to be mindful of what's happening in the world, which is why we wanted to just quickly touch on this subject uh, with, with layoffs. And so in is this conversation, layoffs and the current economic climate, something that you'd be interested in continuing into a full episode, yes or no? And uh, if you do want to get a little bit more specific and you have some further ideas or context you want to give into the chat, please feel free to do that because our team will, will take those and we'll be able to meet on that later. But we just want to make sure we're cognizant and aware and recognize what, what the current needs are in our community. Yeah, so let me give a little bit of color here, Vanessa. So um, one of our mission, Vanessa and I here, is to always keep HR at the table, uh, not because of the title, but because you're strategically so valuable to the business, there's nowhere else for you to be but at the table. And so, you know, we could be talking a little bit about layoffs, but the current economic climate is a really interesting discussion in how you have those conversations at the table. So I'll give you an example. You know, uh, Bamboo, HR, we're, we're not in a hiring freeze. We're not doing layoffs. We are putting in a rigorous process on backfill requests. So we're looking and we're taking a little bit of a more upgraded process on the talent that we're bringing into the business. And so we're right in front and center around that. Um, we all came up with that idea of like, how do we make sure we're really being very disciplined on the roles that we need in the business right now? So we could talk about 
um, we could talk about that. We could talk about how you put some additional rigor and thoughtfulness into expense management. So would be curious what you want to know, but just as, you know, managing through economic downturn is just another muscle to build. Uh, it's another capability and skill set. And if you're interested in learning more about how to build through that, I mean, Vanessa and I are only 29 each. So we'd have to, you know, read about other economic downturns since we haven't been through them ourselves, but we come back with some really great ideas. Mm -hmm. That is true. <laughs> um, well, uh, wait, now I just want to change my answer. <laughs> Next, Michelle. All right. Well, today we're going to be talking about how we can turn business processes into leadership and development opportunities at your organization. This is such a great topic and one that we've spent a little bit of time here and there on previous episodes. And uh, But I'm excited to devote an entire episode to this topic and really dive deep into a few ideas that our audience can take back uh, with them and start implementing at their organizations. So let's dive in into this topic. Anita, can you share with us your initial thoughts on why it's important to embed employee growth into your organization's processes that are already in place? Okay, I'm really, really passionate about this. And I'll just start with a little bit of a personal story. And I want you all to go with me on this journey. If you think about the times that you've experienced most growth yourself, did you get that growth through a webinar or a course? I mean, I don't want to discount webinars because here we are giving one, but I do want you to think about where you experience the most growth yourself. And I can tell you about two times that I've experienced the most growth. One was in an organization where we wanted to take on global, uh, global expansion. And we were wondering, okay, if we're going to expand to Dublin, do we put a GM as the head of, of Dublin or EMEA? operations and have them dotted line back or have them be a direct report to the CEO? Or do we set up mini structures like a, a head of EMEA marketing, sales, and um, you know lead gen and all of those things and have them dotted line back to the mainland? How do we want to structure that organization? And oftentimes you put those decisions into the business owner's hand. And I want to be making those decisions as as you know, as a people leader, I want to be looking at our strategy. If we go back to our Oreo, because everything's related to food on this show, um, you know, where we have our mission, vision, values on one side of the cookie. The other side of the cookie is business performance, and the programs that we do are the wonderful stuffing between those two. So, how do we make sure that we can lead on those very strategic initiatives? And me being a part of being able to drive those initiatives is what creates growth for me as a people leader. So oftentimes we steer away from things that are outside our comfort zone. And I just want us to call back to our own personal experiences and say, how do we give those experiences inside our org? And let me just share with you some statistics on why it matters. 69, so almost 70% of millennials are concerned that their workplace does not develop their leadership skills. So they're just not seeing it. And I think part of it is because we think we have to have some program arm. And especially going into an economic downturn, we have to be more efficient with our dollars. And I think there's, I think leadership development is living all inside the work that we do. And we just have to create a thread that attaches to it. You know, here's another statistic. 83% of companies saying that developing leaders is crucial. And developing the next generation of leaders is the top challenge for 55% of CEOs. So I really want to challenge this group to say, what work do you have going on? And how can you give that work to somebody that's never done it before? 
And how can you partner them with a mentor in the organization that's great at growing talent and have them mentor them through the process? Then you're not having to take on additional spend and other things to have a pseudo type experience, you're giving them the real work where they can learn. Because let's be honest, there's not a lot of projects out there that are going to sink the business if you foul it up. Really, there's not. So let's go give those big projects to people that are already performing, right? They have to be kicking ass in their current job. They have to be wanting to take on more. You know where they want to go in the organization and you give them a stretch goal or assignment that drives impact and value into the business. And I think we just need to take a different approach to learning and development that drives business impact today and it allows team members to grow their skills. I really like that. And um, one of the, the side side pieces to that too is sometimes we can get so overwhelmed in HR that we're like, okay, well, I got to do this big thing. And I love that you mentioned like mentors and even just like taking a look, there's so many resources out there now in today's world that are free. There's, there's so many people, even just on our HR team alone that go on to LinkedIn and do LinkedIn learnings and certifications. And, you know, there's HubSpot, they have an entire learning center. And even, and there are some people that just don't know that those resources exist. So even just providing that platform to say, Hey, you know, you should check these out and kind of with those mentors, like push them in different directions of like, Hey, you could grow in this. And it's simple. And cause we, we tend to sometimes overcomplicate things. It's so true. I mean, I rarely give a presentation to my peers. I let my team do it. And I spend a lot of time with my team helping them prepare, right? And then they go in and give the presentation. And there's some things I let them hang themselves on, right? Like there's some things we had one last week and we came out and I said to the team, I said, what'd you learn? And they all came back and they said pre-wiring before going into a group meeting. So having individual one-on-one -on -one meetings would have been more useful than going into the whole group. And I'm like, awesome. That way, and I knew that going in, but everybody, you know, is trying to be efficient, right? So it's like, let's just go to the big group and see if we can ship um, what promotion looks like at Bamboo to the whole group. And of course, it was just Vanessa. It was like herding cats, right? Everybody's like, I want to do promotion like this. And I do it like this. This is my cat motion, right? And like, I think this and I think that. And I was like, if you if you did this one on one before, you could have had a more galvanized approach and you could say, hey, here's our 80 percent version on our principles for promotion at Bamboo. Let's talk about it that way, because you've all voiced your individual concerns, um, but letting them go through that process, let them just learn that. And our leadership team is super committed to that. So our leadership team, you know, engages with them that way, helps them grow that way. And it's a and it's a great way to learn. It's kind of like the Meet the Robinsons movie when they're like, you failed. Yes. And you, you wouldn't be able to like, you know, invent all those things without failing. And, and I love that you said that, like letting them fail and sometimes even letting leaders fail uh, yeah. because that's the only we're all learning and we're all growing. And we have to give that space and capacity to be able to do that. And like, let's celebrate it because it's not like, again, like it's not failure seems like such a hard word. Like I think, I think of failure and I'm like, okay, I'm not up cuddling my little one who has 101 fever right now. Um, you know, but, um, to me that's, that's different than like going in and, and talking about promotions or a program. And I think sometimes we take ourselves too seriously. And, um, and so like, let's, let's build together. Yes, Michelle, there are opportunities, not failures. Whereas our opportunity to grow 
And, you know, I love what Kim says here. I love the idea of being humble and allowing yourself to learn not only from leaders, but your peers. Cross-training is huge. Um, and having the resources at the tips of our fingers is so important. And as long as you're a leader that celebrates that and allows that to happen, I think a lot of learning can happen inside the work. That's what I want you to take away from this is that learning is happening all the time. And the way we have to do it is by letting people who've never done it before take the lead on that. You know, so here's another statistic. 77% of organizations report that leadership is lacking. And while that is a big number, it should not come as a surprise, given that 10,000 baby boomers retire every day. Like that's that's super interesting. So we're losing a lot of senior leadership through the ranks. And so I do think there's this great leadership gap. And so the stretch project could be, hey, Vanessa, I want you to go lead somebody on the team through this project. And maybe you've never done it before. And you've done this. You have some great examples around this, Vanessa, where this is your first time leading a team through something and you relied on other leaders to kind of help you go through it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, you, you you have to kind of pull in into the, the resources that you have. And there, there were times I pulled leaders aside. I'm like, okay, have you ever dealt with this? How do I do? What do I do? And they're like, okay. And then they give me this whole spiel. And, and of course you feel empowered after that conversation, but there's it, learning that resource, but then you have to go in and do it and implement what you've learned. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, Anita, I know that we've talked about identifying growth opportunities. So what are the types of questions um, that you can ask to approach that? Yeah. So part of it is, you know, what do you, what do you want to learn about? What are you passionate about? If you weren't doing your job today, what other job would you want to do and take away the thought that you're like qualified, right? Like, um, and I, that's where I think we have to maybe stop looking at qualifications and more looking at capabilities and looking at superpowers, right? What are the things that you see people naturally drawn to? Where do you see their natural strengths? You know, I'm a big fan. Um, where is it? Uh, Built on Values by Ann Rhodes. Ann Rhodes. Oh, here it is. I got to get it because it's one of my all-time favorite books. And um, yeah, it's one of those timeless books that never goes away. So if you don't know Ann Rhodes, uh, sorry, I've got my velvet pants on today because it's 30 degrees outside and they're really cozy. But um, Ann Rhodes uh, was the uh, chief people officer at Southwest Airlines. And Anne, one of the things she's known for is she would hire customer success people and have them come in onto the HR team. And she did that because she wanted people that were really customer minded since we're all serving internal customers and we want our internal customers to really feel like they're cared for and loved. So I think a lot of times customer service personas are very similar to HR personas and there's a lot of crossover there. So where do you see that crossover and saying, hey, you're in customer success. Would you want to do a year for me um, at the employee service center and take on requests, right? Because it's the same thing. Or would you help me scale and drive our employee service center and kind of operationalize that process so we can take better care for our team members, right? Because a lot of you are teams of one. So if you had somebody that could operationalize the day-to-day requests that were coming in, could that free you up to get to that strategic conversation at the table? I mean, that's really where I want us to take these conversations is how do we get you out of the day-to-day without spending more money and allow you to spend more time in the strategic conversations where you're at? That, that's what we want to focus on in HR Unplugged, plus answering the hard questions 
And, and how, how can we do that by leveraging resources with similar capabilities? So I would just start asking those questions, Vanessa, and really be open to the idea of, of giving people a chance and guaranteeing that they're not going to go backwards, right? Like you don't want people, you've got to answer the question, like, am I going to go back a year in my career progression if I go into this and I don't like it? Um, you're not going to lose your pay. You're not going to lose your progression. Your old leader will always take you back. You know, that that job is always still there for you. So you have to have leadership support. But I think these are the questions that are important for us to ask right now. And we can create so much camaraderie and value for the business through asking these questions and and putting through this work this way. Yeah, I think there's a there's a big opportunity there. It's almost like mapping out where the the skill sets are throughout the company, understand the value as it can that those skill sets here can add value as they grow through through the roadmap and machine of the of the whole company and the value that that can add. Um, and what what would would your advice be for leaders who after they kind of initiate that mapping and figuring out, okay, yes, people in, with that customer service mind could be really great in HR, or, you know, in other areas. What, what would those next steps be for them? I know you kind of mentioned those a little bit, but I'd love to reiterate those for those in, individuals in the audience of how to take that next step. Yeah. So we, um, what we have one right now, and I went to the person I said, put together a job description right? Let's put together a job description. Let's not lose our, our basic uh, foundational processes in this. Like, let's define the job. Let's define the outcomes. Um, let's make sure we go through kind of an interview process. Let's make sure that both the team member and the leader are both aligned to this, both on the leadership that they're coming from and the leadership that they're going to, um, you know, and have all of those open conversations. So I think you have to run some type of modified hiring process to make sure that both team and individual are set up for success. So I wouldn't say that you would stray outside of your hiring process for that. Where I'm asking for innovation is like, how do we grow people and use that as the pipeline for new talent um, that's really existing talent, but you're re-leveraging the skills in a different way. I love that. I love that. Um, well, before we get in a little bit deeper into this, because uh, I feel like we've got some good convos going already, I'd love to, to open up a question to the audience. Have you helped a future leader grow into their next role? How did you do it? And if not, what obstacles are you currently facing with leadership development? So go ahead and uh, type into the chat any of your thoughts based on this open question. Yeah, I want to hear what you're all seeing out there. I'm interested in seeing what, what types of obstacles people are running into with the development piece. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, Vanessa, but you know, I've um I got hired into the top job. Like that's the weird part about my my history. And so I had to rely on other leaders not in the space to help mentor me through. And I think the biggest obstacle for that was time, right? Because time is our biggest commodity. And so I think probably part of that is feeling like you don't have time to do it, um, but really you don't have time not to do it. That's a really, that's so interesting and, and a very difficult role to walk into. 
Um, like I, I said, cried every night for two weeks, I went home and I cried and I thought, oh my gosh, I oversold, I oversold and I'm going to woefully under deliver. Um, really, I was, I was, I was petrified, Vanessa. And so I went, I got my master's at night through University of Phoenix at the time, had a program in organizational management. And I was really lucky because I got to learn from some of the greats at that time, Medtronic, Intel. And I think that's the biggest thing. What I notice right now with earlier career team members is they're afraid to ask for help. And I think this is common. Your early career, you want to know everything. You want to seem like the expert. But I just had no idea what I was doing. I had to ask for help. And so when I go to these more senior leaders inside and outside my own discipline and say, hey, can you help me? I'm like way over my skis and I don't know how to do this. There isn't anyone that will say no. And it actually builds the relationship. And as long as you're able to deliver and come through it, like, you know, and show that you're progressing, everybody will help you. I don't actually think it decreases confidence in your talent to, to deliver. So many good comments in here. Yeah, it is. And I think uh, alternatively too, to that comment is when we have people that have questions and raise their hand, even if they are a leader, don't make them feel dumb. I think sometimes that can happen where we sometimes put up this, this wall of like, okay, well, you're, you're supposed to know these things. You're so-and-so. And it's, it's like, no, like as soon as we do that, we then create like this vortex of just cloudness and, and non-communication and it just spirals out of control because we're not willing to be open to, okay, no, we're all continuing to learn and grow. Like don't ever shut anybody down. Totally. I love that. And I'm really glad that you called it out because when you said that, I was like, who's going to make somebody feel dumb. And I don't think that people mean to do it. It's not on purpose, but sometimes you're just surprised of like, why is that person asking me that question? And so my natural response to this is that's leadership. Because if you can get people to ask the questions that they may feel insecure about asking, you know where they are, right? You know where they are in their own development. You know the gap and you know where you can, one of our, um, you know, one of our values at Bamboo is meet you, meet them where they are, like meet people where they are. And so if you know through the question, you can meet them there and help them come forward. But if you have a lot of people, I think 90% of what people say is baloney anyway. Um, so if you're able to get through all that and get to reality, then you can grow people. Mm-hmm. What one of the trending questions I'm kind of seeing with, yeah. with individuals that I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on is when you're running into an obstacle with leadership that doesn't want to, to grow, or maybe they don't believe in developing people, it's a, you know, just, just do your job. Like there's, there's none of that there. So what would your advice be for these HR professionals? Yeah, I love this. So again, coming from the place that we started with of no judgment, I really want to get out of good and bad people leadership. It's just all leadership and people are attracted to all kinds of things. So if you have, so part of it is just honesty. If you're working with a CEO and a leadership team that's like, I don't want to invest in growing people. It's not a thing for me. Like, cool, that's okay. Like separate yourself from the how you personally feel about it and build something that works for that business. So what that looks like is, okay, you don't want to invest in people. That means we're probably going to turn out 15 to 20% of our top performers every year. They're going to go to other places because they're going to get a higher title or bigger job or more money at those places. So So let's just build in, you know, a 15 to 20% attrition model, and we're going to build a recruiting team. And we're always going to be backfilling those roles. Right. So again, like it's not heavy, it's not judgy. 
it's just like, okay, that's how you want to run your business. Great. Let's just, let's just go do this. Here's your solution. Do you like that solution better? Here's door one. Here's door two. We could probably brainstorm on door three, but like, it just, uh, like, it's so easy to get mired in the perception of like how this feels. And I would ask us if we're not agreeing with how the CEO is running, let's go find you another job. Call Vanessa and me. We'll go find you another place that believes in L&D. That's okay. Um, but I've always said, this is where I want the mission. If I go back to my Oreo cookie, I remember I worked for an organization um, that had an incredible mission and we took on, um, we took on money and the money holder became the majority owner. And what I wish happened is that we took off our original mission and we just put on our wall, make a truckload of revenue. Because that's really what the actions were. Like just generate a truckload of revenue. I can hire, train, and fire to anything. I just have to know what that thing is. But if you tell me that it's this, but your actions mean that, then that's where we get our culture misaligned with performance. So, so know that actions speak louder than words and you build culture to actions, not to words. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things, Sarah, I'm so sorry if I butcher your last name, I'm going to say Sarah Kinnick, uh, wrote a really great comment about great producers should not be promoted into leadership just because of production and seniority. This is something we see all the time and it, you know, transactional doesn't necessarily equate to good leadership. I don't know why everybody thinks they want to be a people leader, Vanessa. Like, I don't know. It is a truckload of responsibility. It keeps me up at night because you're not only responsible for that human. Like Vanessa, I feel like I'm responsible for your entire community, right? And I go to bed every night thinking about every community that I'm responsible for at Bamboo, not just one person. And so I think it makes a big, important impact for you to show that you can make just as much, if not more money and impact by being a strong individual contributor as you can be a people leader. And it's really important to have two paths um, because you do not want, you know, what is it, um, brilliant jerks to be leading humans. It's a different skill set. It's a different capability. And I think we have to be more honest about that. Yep, I totally agree. Um, so I want to I want to get into a few more real life examples or templates that our audience can follow to turn business processes into leadership and development opportunities. Uh, what what can you share with us about that? Okay, so I've got I've got a live one right now, so we can work our we can work an opportunity here at Bamboo. And one of the things we have is we've been uh, spraying and praying and hiring from all over the U.S. in states that were approved. We're not in all in all states. And I think as we're getting through the pandemic and into this period, we're asking our question, should we be hiring all positions and all states? I don't know the answer to that. Do we believe that we have enough product and technology talent in Utah? Or should we be hiring in Seattle and California and Boston and Austin, like all these different places? So I want to give somebody a stretch project where they go through on Talent Insights on LinkedIn and they start to pull and understand the geography of where talent is today. I haven't done this project for three years. There's been a lot of movement. I know I love Boston. I'm a big fan, Eleanor, of Boston. Um, you know, where talent has moved to, and I want to map that back to the roles that we will need in the next 24 months. And I want to use that as a starting point to say, hey, recruiting team, you know, for our payroll and support talent, we're going to hire in Oklahoma. 
um, you know, or Texas or Florida, you know, for our engineering product and tech talent, we're going to go do this. And that's a great stretch project for somebody on the team to deliver a credible impact and value. So I want to go and like, I almost want to do like a gig economy, something like what are the platforms when you have like somebody build me a logo and I'll pay you a hundred dollars to build me a logo. I kind of like want to post that on my internal job board and have people come and say, Hey, I want to do this. We actually have done this at a place, um, you know, that I worked before where we kind of put out the top impact projects. We'd have people apply kind of internally to them and they had to have leadership support because you have to kick ass at your current job, you know, to get a stretch assignment. And so, and then they would get to go do that stretch assignment and then present it back to the people leadership team. And it's just, it's just a really cool process and it gives people a chance to learn outside and it gives us as leaders a chance to see who really delivers in that. We are licensed in Oregon. <laughs> licensed. I know it's like, <laughs> it's like doing work in the EU right now in the States to meet all the requirements. Hot dog. I love it. Yes, it really is though. Well, what it, what about promotions? I know, I know a lot of, of folks talk about promotions as they relate to leadership opportunities. So what's your opinion on how promotions play into this topic? So this is interesting. We are developing our promotion philosophy right now. So any of you Bambooligans listening, I'm going to put a big asterisk that we have not nailed this process. Um, so yes, so we're thinking about it. And I think promotions are an interesting thing. And I noticed the leaders get hung up in two areas on promotion. One, is there a business need for this role at this time in the business, right? Like if I need a senior recruiter in product and technology, why does the business need that? Or do I have a recruiter in product and technology that is advanced so far that I want to recognize their advancement and I want to increase their salary not to lose them? And so I think we get lost in how we identify the problem that we want to solve. And we call things promotion. And I don't know that we're meaning promotion. Are we meaning reward and recognition? Are we meaning career growth? And so I'd ask you to kind of define what are we talking about here? What's the problem you're trying to solve with said promotion? And I think you need to think about promotions in those ways. So those are the questions that I'm asking back uh, to Bamboo Leadership right now as we're kind of crafting our process. And now, I mean, I think the natural question that we get to, Vanessa, is you give these side projects and are people going to be like, well, I did this side project. Do I get something for it? And, you know, and there I kind of have to I have to be a little bit more, um, you know, like we're investing in you and you're investing in yourself. And you're building skills that are going to benefit both over time. Um, and let's recognize that. And, and there's probably something that we can do more to recognize that. And we've got to build that program too. Um, and if you have the same stretch project going to the same individual and there's no movement, um, that's also something to be aware of in this as a possible pit, uh, you know, pothole. Yeah, and it's uh, it it is interesting because it's it's such a deep conversation because um, it involves so much with uh, uh, with promotions and I, I'd love to hear from the audience understand what kind of impact they've had from offering like job shadowing or job rotation or some of these other ideas just to kind of get a pulse of of what you're seeing so. Have any of you implemented any job shadowing, job rotation, or stretch projects in your organization? If so, what went well and what parts were challenging? Because uh, like you said, Anita, there's so many different things that maybe you might add on this extra project for someone that's going to stretch them. It's going to help them grow. 
Um, you know, so it's, it, I'm interested to see what people say. And if anyone has a template that they could put in the Slack channel, that would be great too. Cause one of the things I want this community to have is strong templates and, and usable things. And we'll be happy to share everything as we build it as well. But, um, you know, if you have a template for job rotation or stretch projects, it'd be great. I mean, some things that I've seen on this is you kind of actually build a project template of like, here, the project is what states do we hire in? The problem that we're solving in is we've got too much talent dispersed all over and what roles and talent should be in what geographies, you know, and kind of mapping out the project definition before you go to work, I think is a big, is a big part of the puzzle. I know what another book, and I can't think of the name of it, they talked about, I think it's called Tour of Duty, and it was piloted at LinkedIn. Um, and so they don't have a lot of templates in that book, but they do have a lot of the philosophy of how to think about job rotation. But LinkedIn isn't always applicable because they're so large compared to most of our organizations. Yeah, and it, uh, I love, I think Arlene, Arlene Samore Sanchez uh, talked about, I did job shadowing as part-time job interview, uh, where the, the candidate saw what the job was and it weeded out candidates, warehouse overnight job, very helpful. I think that's something good to call out because, uh, companies could take advantage of this, especially with internal talent. Um, and, but to be careful as well, if you decide to open it up externally, there are a lot of jobs that are seeing a lot of confidential information and coming up with the template process, of how you're going to approach that. And if, if that's something you want to implement, do you have any thoughts there, Anita? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, part of, of what you have to just be careful of is it is that capability and you want to make sure this is why I always believe you should start with a job description on these things so that you're able to pick the skills and capability that works. Like if you're going to hire, or you're going to do a job rotation and compensation, you have to make sure that that person is pretty mature on how they're um, accessing and taking on data. And so that's why it's always important to start with a job description whenever you're doing anything like this. Yeah. Well, I love that uh, Pamela and, and Caitlin both mentioned uh, like in, in the onboarding, I think, I think Pamela, you did, um, but basically onboarding, making sure that you're able to shadow and, and see what other people are doing and then learn and then show that you've learned it. I think that's brilliant uh, because you're, you're creating that accountability of, oh yeah, I, I can do this. I know what I'm doing. Totally. Totally. And it lets you actually know, like a lot of people are curious, like what I want to do this. Is this interesting to me? Let them shadow, let them go get on customer calls, let them spend an hour in a different department. Um, because that is growth in itself. Like I always believe that knowing what I don't love to do is more valuable than knowing what I do love to do. And so that, that can be part of it as well. And then also have those people that are shadowing come back and share with their primary team what they've learned. And then you're even expanding the impact of the experience more broadly. Yeah, because sometimes people think they want to do a particular thing. And then as soon as they see it, they're like, nope. <laughs> yes. Well, let's uh, uh, let's talk about, uh, I want to dive into the idea of a manager program. Uh, I know you've talked about this before, Anita, but can you share with our audience what a manager program is and what the benefits are? So, I mean, I think managers are the best way to scale a training program because once you have them in place, 
you know, like it, you can have it involve more people. You know, I think only 14% of CEOs feel like they have the leadership talent to grow their businesses. So it's important to think about how you're growing leadership. I think the one note that I give here is that I never build from the middle out. I think you have to build from the top down. Like we just had this discussion and everybody, all my peers were like, Anita, we need leadership development. I'm like, awesome. How great are all of you at leadership? And, you know, how consistent are we at one-on-ones? How consistent are we at making and keeping agreements? How consistent are we at being clear on what a success looks like for each of the roles? Like us, us as leaders. And um, I think we kind of have to do an inventory of that before we start going to everybody in mid-level management and being like, this is what leadership is. Because every time I've done that, they always look up and they're like, well, my boss doesn't do those things. And so I want to be sure that you, if you don't have a really strong stable of leaderships at the top, you're not going to have a really strong stable of leadership in the middle. And you have to get those two to work together and align on, do we want to do one-on-ones? Okay, what's the purpose of one-on-ones? And what's the leadership capability we're, we're building? And what performance in the business is it driving? Because not everybody feels like they're effective. Not everybody feels like agendas are effective. Not everybody feels that starting and ending meetings on time is effective. So I think you have to go through and have those conversations to even establish it. And once you do that, then you get so much lift out of manager training. Yeah, definitely. I love that you mentioned like it comes from the top down and that really does affect it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. Otherwise it just, it's another one of those things where you have, if you have an unsaid mission and you, if you have an unsaid leadership philosophy, it creates a lot of cultural churn. Yeah, it does. It definitely does. Well, what, uh, before we wrap up, Anita, because I know we're, we're getting close, uh, before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts to share with our, our friends as they think about ways to turn business processes into leadership and development opportunities? Yes. I think anytime you're sitting in a meeting and you're like, who's going to do that work? That's a leadership opportunity. You know, anytime you have somebody that's used to doing the work all the time and they can teach somebody else, that's a leadership opportunity. So I just want you to go through the next week and being like, where can we generate leadership opportunities out of our existing workflow? And who's going to benefit from that? And who's really kicking ass and would be able to take on more? And so just start with that lens and you'll definitely get it. But be sure you're there to help. You know, don't don't send them off the boat without a life preserver. People will want to take it on when they know that they can make mistakes and grow. Thanks for joining us for HR Unplugged. This series is brought to you by Bambu HR. Visit us at bambuhr.com slash HR unplugged for video versions of the podcast, additional resources, and to learn more about how Bambu HR sets people free to do great work. 